Welcome to another episode of the Purple and Bold Podcast, Bucknell Post Game Edition. I'm Shane Metlin. Coming to you from Bench Force Stadium following JMU's uh, season opening victory against uh, the Bucknell Bison, uh, 38-3 JMU, in a game that was never really in doubt, but the Dukes maybe struggled somewhat more than was expected against the FCS opponent from the Patriot League. Um, definitely struggled more at the quarterback position in the first half with uh, redshirt freshman Alonzo Barnett getting his first start and uh, not playing well uh, through the first half into the third quarter where he was eventually replaced by Arizona transfer Jordan McLeod, who maybe even going back into the spring was the uh, presumptive starter uh, coming in with a similar career path to what Todd Santeo brought to JMU last year. Santeo obviously excelled, was a Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year last season, um, had very few issues in leading JMU offense last season. The offense was not at its best to start the season here this year, um, but McLeod looked better in the second half. JMU, um, as Kurt Signetti, not extremely happy with the defensive performance. Still, JMU only gives up three points in the game. Um, though they did give up more 200 yards in the first half. Um, the offensive performance maybe played some role into that. Uh, by game's end, JMU did outgain uh, the Bison 436 to 208. They win the game 38 to 3, as I mentioned. 22 first downs for JMU, 261 yards on the ground to just 62 for Bucknell. JMU got to the backfield more in the second half, got some sacks. Uh, got to the quarterback um, to, you know, kind of turn those stats into their favor. Um, Still, you look at the passing game. Uh, Jamie finishes 175 yards through the air, 146 for Bucknell. But uh, Bucknell's starting quarterback, Ralph Rucker, ended up going out in the second half. But 13 for 19, 140 yards. A former walk-on at Oklahoma who transfers to Bucknell. And he gave JMU some... Gave JMU some trouble uh, at times. He was a good, solid quarterback, uh, tested this JMU defense. Uh, but really, the bottom line is it ends up being somewhat what you expected as a game where JMU was never really threatened. There wasn't ever much of a chance JMU would lose this one. But they go into the Virginia game next week, 1-0. But maybe not bo- boiling over with confidence the way... I think the players and the fan base and everything else were just a few hours ago before this one started when uh, I think, you know, JMU or UVA rather gets rolled by Tennessee earlier today. Um, Their starting quarterback, Tony Musket, perhaps injured. We'll find out probably more this week about whether he'll be available to face the Dukes next Saturday when they travel over the mountain to Charlottesville. But that's a highly anticipated game, one forty years in the making. And Jamie maybe not rolling over there quite as high as they might have been expected to coming off this Bucknell game. When you look at this when you look at the situation, uh, so many of the questions post game to Kurt Signetti and the players themselves too, uh, boil down to the quarterback situation. Uh, much was made of Alonzo Barnett, the redshirt freshman, winning the job, winning it over um, 
McLeod. And from what we saw in practices, which was not always much, it was not maybe live game situations, but it was easy to see why uh, everyone was hard, high on Barnett coming in. And, you know, Kurt Signetti, more or less in his post-game press conference, said he doesn't understand the psychology. <laughs> you know, he's not a psychologist, so it's not really his uh, area of expertise to kind of break down what happened when it came to Barnett's performance, but I think everybody knows he's more capable of throwing better passes than he did today. Um, seems like the confidence, uh, he was rattled, things went downhill fast. And it's another situation where you can think back to last year when um, when Billy Atkins was given his first start and struggled early and Jamie really lost all confidence in its passing game, went away from that, was just d- resigned to try to run the ball. And against a good Marshall defense last year, they were really unable to continue to run the ball, and the ball offense went nowhere. This year, Jamie was getting those rushing yards. They are holding on to the lead against you know, a Bucknell team they can mostly overmatch physically. But... But, you know, Kurt Segnetti said he wasn't comfortable with that being the only offense, and he wanted to see more of the passing game, which I think led to the decision to go with McLeod uh, midway through the third quarter is when he made the switch. And McLeod comes in, was not perfect. Um, he, he, you know, frankly has some issues um, with probably staring down his receivers too much. Uh, his decision-making, you know, can suffer – at times, but in the end, he's got the athletic ability to make some plays out of the pocket to escape, and he's thrown a very nice deep ball to Reggie Brown for a 57-yard touchdown uh, to kind of jumpstart things and get Jamie's offense going to the 30, 38-3 uh, victory against a Bucknell team that I think will probably end up having a pretty solid season in the Patriot League just from what I saw today. I don't know. I know they've struggled in the past, but, you know, look at a team that's, like, um, revamped their offense a little bit. They've got, uh, like I said, the Oklahoma transfer quarterback, uh, new offensive coordinator, new play caller, and, you know, was fairly impressed with what Bucknell was able to do today. But, I mean, the story of this one is JMU. This is what, you know, people are listening to this podcast for is to find out what what happened with the Dukes and you know one thing that really had to dive into was the quarterback situation but there were other aspects of the game that you know Jamie was either happy with or or unhappy with and you know we can get into those two I think first off if you talk about the highlights you've got to mention Kwan Black uh, running back 12 carries 126 yards he was over 100 yards in the first half uh, had a career long 57 yard run uh, didn't get into the end zone, but he set up uh, multiple touchdowns. Black having a good game. Um, well, Trell Palmer also in the running back position, uh, going for 47 yards, touchdown. Uh, just solid running, running all around. Um, you know, four guys averaging you know better than four yards of carry. Uh, looking good in the running game. Uh, even even Alonzo Barnett like did a pretty good job uh, running the ball. Jordan McLeod also. Um, had a, a keeper or two that went for some yard, yardage. Uh, Reggie Brown already mentioned catching the deep ball, um, catches three passes for 77 yards, gets in the end zone. Freshman Maxwell Moss gets into the end zone in his uh, debut 
Um, so looking good in those areas, uh, Wayne Knight, the sophomore uh, running back from Delaware, uh, he and his brother, true freshman Yamir Knight, see the field um, a decent amount in this game. Wayne, especially on special teams, he gets the block punt that uh, Jamie ended up not doing uh, much, not taking advantage of, but that block punt was a big play and a uh, bright spot in the game for the Dukes um, all around. Beyond that, defensively, uh, kind of, you know, the usual suspects to a certain degree. Uh, Taurus Jones uh, has a big game. Uh, Mikhail Kamara back from, you know, injuries that kept him in and out of the lineup at different times last year. He gets a sack along with Jones. Uh, both of those guys with a couple of tackles for a loss. Um, doing good things. Uh, the punt return game, Solomon Van Horse was looking good, but it doesn't look good for him. Um for the rest of the season, he comes back um, on crutches in the second half. Um, word is it could possibly be a could possibly be a uh, broken foot again for him. That's an injury that's um, plagued him basically his whole career at JMU. Uh, so that's uh, that's a downside for the Dukes right there. Um, another injury um, on the defensive line, uh, Abby. Uh, went down the first half. He was seemed to be holding his knee. Could be, um, could be something that keeps him out a little bit. And that's one area where you know you lose Van Horse. That's a shame. Uh, like I said, he did great in the punt, punt uh, return game. He's a really solid receiver out of the backfield. Uh, it just gives you another, another good look, um, good looking running back. But that's a deep position for JMU. You also have uh, Chief Sherratt who can handle the punt return duty. So. Um, from a football perspective, that's maybe one area where Jamie could afford to have a little bit of an injury. On the defensive line, that defensive end in particular, that's tough uh, when you lose Isaac Uklu in the offseason uh, to transfer. And now you're relying very heavily on a guy like Mikel Kamara um, to do that. And your interior line with uh, James Carpenter and the bunch, um, who looked solid today, but but it is a tough uh, loss there if he's going to be out a significant amount of time. But we should find out more about both of those guys um, into next week. Um, and also, you know, I'm sure we'll be asking about the uh, quarterback situation into next week. Although, Kurt Signetti seemed to, you know, strongly hint and indicate that, you know, right now he's leaning towards, um, you know, going with Jordan McLeod as the number one guy heading into next week of practice based on, you know, what they did in the games. Um, although, it was Barnett who won the job based on what he did in practice, and he's shown an ability to make some passes that he just simply did not make tonight. Um, so moving forward, I think those are you know some big question marks you got to look for um, in the coming week. It's a huge, huge week for JMU, um, even a game that like you know maybe doesn't have a ton to do with any of their overarching goals for the season they think they want to be able to get to a bowl game they want to you know they probably will not be able to play in the sunbelt championship game once again um but you know as a second year of the uh, move up from the fcs but they do want to be able to kind of uh finish on top of the sunbelt east once again i think to be able to do that two years in a row would be um quite an accomplishment right now. I mean, coming off this game right now, um, especially with the question marks at quarterback, that looks like a huge challenge. Um, although, 
you look across the Sun Belt, um, multiple teams are looking at probably this first week of the season and wondering uh, how they're going to answer some of their questions. You know, Georgia State struggles with Rhode Island. Marshall kind of struggles to get by. Albany, App State uh, had their hands full with Gardner-Webb well into the second half. So Jamie wasn't the only team in the Sun Belt East to come out and not necessarily show their best against an FCS opponent. Um, and all those teams have uh, certain question marks. Um, Jamie's not the only one with question marks. A quarterback where you look at, you know, App State dealing with an injury as well. Uh, but their guy who started in second string comes in and uh, does well and leads them to victory in the second half. So, you know, just looking across the Sun Belt here in week one, although even as I record this, there's still some games going on. Uh, I'll have to check some scores. I think it's very curious to see what Coastal does in the late night slot at UCLA. But um, looking at the Sun Belt East, teams have questions to answer and maybe um, not as high on the Sun Belt as we might have been going into the season. Although that's kind of the big question after one week of the season is how much do teams panic? How much do we know? How many questions did we get answered? Um, or, I mean, if you're in a situation like JMU, Kurt Signetti said that, you know, coming into this season, he felt like maybe his team needed a humbling experience. Um, they were riding really high after really blowing out Coastal Carolina to end their season last year to claim that Kings of the East title that they claimed and celebrated, even though they couldn't technically be uh, the official division champs and they couldn't play in the Sunbelt championship game. They finished first in the conference. They had the tiebreaker over coastal with the dominating victory and they celebrated that big time. And they, you know, were riding high. They're really high on themselves and confident and everything else coming into this season. Uh, and it's an earned confidence. And, you know, if you're going to talk about this team, you know, maybe needing a humbling. Uh, I mean, Kurt Signetti could probably uh, look in the mirror at that a little bit. I mean, because he's a guy who, um, you know, doesn't shy away from those things of, like, celebrating those accomplishments and declaring themselves kings of the East and things like that. But he did say post-game after this one that he thought that they needed a little bit of a humbling experience. I wish they got to a certain degree. The defense didn't play all that well in the first half, and they buckled down in the second. Uh, the offense figured out what they were doing. Um, so it's really just a matter of if they will be able to kind of keep it going and um, build off of this one against a game that uh, I'll be very curious to see when the line does eventually come out here pretty soon on this one. The JMU, I wouldn't be surprised if they're favored. Um, but not as much of a sure thing, I think, in that regard as it was, you know, heading into this Saturday and looking ahead to UVA. Um, definitely going to be a bigger challenge playing in Charlottesville. Um, it be a very interesting environment. I think it's going to be a pretty split crowd uh, among UVA and JMU fans, lots of orange, lots of purple, both in the stadium and around Charlottesville leading up to that one. So we'll have plenty more of that to talk about in the coming week. Um, on both in the DNR and on the Purple and Bold podcast. Uh, in the meantime, though, I'm going to wrap this one up. This is a quick-hitting post-game edition of the Purple and Bold podcast. I'm Shane Metlin flying solo as uh, Noah continues to write his stories here in the press box at Bridge Four Stadium. But uh, thank you for checking us out and listening to Purple and Bold from Bridge Four Stadium. <laughs>